Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is made in upstate New York by an employee-owned company that is committed to making the best materials artists can use. They not only make acrylic paints, but Williamsburg oils, core watercolors, along with a spectrum of artist mediums. Check out Golden's full line of artist materials, along with some pretty great learning resources at goldenpaints.com. Mimi Jung is an artist born in Seoul, South Korea, who lives and works in Los Angeles, California. Mimi got her BFA in fine art from the Cooper Union for the Advancement of Science and Art in 2003 and did postgraduate study in communication design at the Hochschule for Gestalten and Kunst in Basel, Switzerland. She also did postgraduate study in fine art in Frankfurt in 2005. She's had exhibitions at the National Gallery of Victoria in Melbourne, Australia, at Fisher Parish Gallery in New York, at Piazza San Sepolcro II in Milan, Italy, Chamber Gallery in New York, Le Jean Heroux Gallery in Copenhagen, Denmark, and more, including her current show at Carvalho Park Gallery in Brooklyn, called History Lessons, Delphine Henley and Mimi Jung, from February 8th to March 17th, 2019. Her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, Surface, Wallpaper, D-Zine, Interior Design, Creator Vice, Boom, The Wall Street Journal, Dwell, El Decor, The Los Angeles Times, and many, many more. When Mimi was in for her opening at Carvalho Park Gallery, which is only a couple blocks from my studio, she stopped by for a chat about a wild youth moving about and being on her own, finding her way in fine art, and finding her medium for chance and weaving. Here's our conversation. Well, you must be excited, too. Oh, for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you super psyched to meet you. (laughs) So excited to wake up early and sit in front of a microphone. No, I I usually wake up like five in the morning. So even when I travel, I'm just like, bing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Was the opening nice? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, um, you know, I... I should have talked to a couple of, I think there was people that, that came that I didn't know that the gallerist wanted me to speak to, but I'm not in New York as often as I want to be. So um, I saw a lot of old friends and people that I hadn't seen in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so Delphine, the painter that I showed with, yeah. Delphine Henley, um, she went to Cooper as well. She was a year above me. We didn't have any crossover in classes, but so she had some friends from Cooper days that I hadn't seen since I graduated. Um, you remember none of them, right? I know. And Kadar, how wild is... No, small world. But you were born and raised in New York? No, I was born in Korea. Um, I came here in 89 when I was eight years old. Um, Eight's a good age yeah, to come, right? Eight? Um, yeah, You've developed just enough. The, so you're bilingual, totally. Yeah, and um, but, uh, you know... Numbers I'll do in math, uh, in Korean. Yeah. Um, and those are always hard. Yeah. To, like, my acclimate. 
like reactions if I touch something hot, I'll say it in Korean. And you like dream that. in Korean, right? No, I don't dream in Korean. Oh, really? No, I don't think so. I, I um, recently had to renew my passport and had to write everything in Korean, and it was just, it felt so foreign to me because. Well, it's been a little while. Yeah. Um, it has handwritten. I mean, it wasn't through. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah it's not typing. Like, mm. I think a lot of young people feel the same way when they have to Do write I have something. To write they're like, something? what? Pencil. Yeah. Um, for sure. And, uh, but yeah, so I came here and I've lived all over New York. So when we first moved, we moved to Staten Island. I had an uncle that lived there. And so I think it was the, the easiest transition. Um, what, to Staten Island? Yeah. Why is and that? Because he lived there, and we didn't know anyone else. Oh, the easiest transition for you. Yeah, for Not, the family. I thought you meant like Staten Island's oh, the no, easiest no, no. transition I, into I New York. I probably wouldn't have <laughs> picked that. And so that was my my first um, impression of America. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, why did the family come over? What did they do? Uh, my parents uh, were divorced. Like, they got divorced. Uh-huh. And in the 80s in Korea, it was very taboo. And now, yeah. you know, every other person is divorced. Just right. like Literally. Yeah, every other, <laughs> every other country. But um, yeah, I was... It was uh, a big decision, and um, we moved here with my sisters and I moved here. I have two older sisters with our mother. Um, our, our father stayed in Korea, and I think it was just uh, just a fresh start. And she wasn't like, I'm out of the house. She's like, I'm out of the country. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were pretty much separated since I was born. Yeah. Um, and it was very normal to me that they, you know, we didn't live with our dad, and um, so it wasn't much of a, a shock when we decided to move. And was your mom at that point? Was your mom doing her own? Was she working on her own? Or she's an artist. Yeah. Um, she went to art school and then she became an illustrator. Uh, she worked with my dad for a little bit. My grandfather owns a um, silk screening uh, manufacturing company. He used to make silk scarves for different companies mm-hmm. abroad, um, and. She designed some pieces, I, I think. Um, it's not really talked about in my family, so I, I sort of piece things together here and yeah. there. Um, but, yeah, she didn't... Um, it's, again, really fuzzy. I think there was some sort of child support um, deal yeah. that wasn't enforced by a judge or anything like that, but... Yeah, it was it was rough. I think there was a point where we didn't have a lot of money, and I remember, um, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize that you're poor. Right. I think it's really easy Relative. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things like uh, reusing paper towels, like you wash it and you dry, and then you re- that was very normal to me. And to this day, when I see my husband just like wipe his hands and <laughs> the paper towel, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, what yeah. are you doing? Um, but yeah, I didn't realize, even in Korea, I just recently went back with uh, Brian, and it was his first time, and I showed him where I grew up in the apartment complex, and I was like, oh, okay, we were dirt poor. It looks different, doesn't it, when you go yeah, home? It's yeah. everything, I feel like everything's smaller. Yeah, so much smaller, and um, and nothing had really changed. Even the supermarket that I used to go to um, hadn't really changed, and... Yeah, it was my first realization. And so even in Staten Island, I think we look just recently, I saw an outdoor like plastic table. Um, and I was like, oh, I think that used to be our dining room table. Like things you just yeah, yeah. was so normal to you. And you look back and you're like, oh, OK, I think we sat on plastic chairs like our dining room was all just outdoor furniture. And 
Um, but yeah, and but one of the things because my mom was an artist, um, we always had. I could always get any art supply I wanted. That was never an argument. And you knew about what they were, right? Yeah, at a young and it age, was I would imagine so readily available. And both yeah. my oldest sister was an artist too, so um, you know she and she's seven years older, so she had everything. And then I would look at her supplies and be like, "Well, well I want to use this and this." And um, but yeah, everything else was, I think, uh, financially really difficult. Yeah. So you came over to Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Was that? I mean, was it a tough Staten Island? Well, just the shift in. Um, it's not only shifting to American culture, but Staten yeah. Island culture. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but that was normal to me that I was like, this That's is true. America. Yeah, okay. you only know where um, you're going, right? And it's really diverse. And, yeah. um, so the transition wasn't that bad. And my first teacher, Mr. Riley, third grade, uh, he had just adopted a Korean daughter. And so he was especially nice to me and mm-hmm. really took care of me and make sure. Because, you know, you go into school and you don't speak a word and um i remember the first day of school everyone wanted to shake my hand so it was the entire class came over to me and was mm-hmm. shaking my hand and i remember being like american kids are wild like yeah. what is this <laughs> um yeah that must have been i mean not speaking anything i guess you only know what you know but i mean i would imagine yeah. that daunting but i Did remember you... you know you struggle and you know i had a lot of um tutoring and um, but you're so young that I remember playing um, during recess and I had to ask for some, like someone to pass something and I was just speaking and I was like, oh, I speak English now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just, just one day happening. I was like, it's all clicked. <laughs> and I, yeah, I can communicate. They understand me and we're all good. Was it different for your older sisters? Because yeah. they were much further along yeah, they in were, the social process too, right? Right. Um, middle school, worst time, to, I think. And they had, they had a rougher time, um, but they were in the same... I like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, ambience. <laughs> um, they were always together because they were only a year and a half apart. So yeah. I think that helped. Um, but because they were able to make a lot of Korean-speaking friends, it slowed their uh, language skills yeah. a bit. Um, and for me, yeah, I just was immersed um, almost instantly, I want to say. Now, did you... I know it's early on in school, but were you enjoying art classes did you have a good art teacher or did that come later um let me think uh no not especially um i remember the first day of freshman year cooper the dean came over and he said i know you guys were all the the superstars of your high school art classes <laughs> I know it is, and <laughs> that is not the case here right, so right. like <laughs> just just prepare yeah um, As if there's art superstars in college. <laughs> in high school, in like middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, yeah, I, I don't think so. But I think a lot of my uh, my lessons were from home. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom continuously taught us and my older sister, you know, I learned a lot from her. And um, yeah, it was very normal to visit galleries and museums and it was just part of you know, everyday life. And my mom's friends were, well, in Korea were artists too. So even in Korea, going to, falling asleep um, in the corner of an art, like a gallery opening was normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you didn't have iPhones either to keep you yeah, busy. Yeah, there's nothing to do. Oh, is but, is yeah. your mom still around? Uh, yeah. Um, we're not in touch, but yeah, she lives in, um, in Westchester. 
New York. Oh, really? Yeah. So most of my family is still like New York, New Jersey, and yeah. I live in LA. But yeah. Cool. So when did you, I mean, what? how did Cooper kind of come up as an option? Did you always think, well, maybe I'll go to art school because it was something familiar or? No, uh, that's a good question. So when I was in third grade, just so I had just arrived, um, my mom, like every like tiger mom, <laughs> um, she had heard from someone that it was a free school. And oh, it was yeah. free art school. And it was very expected of us uh, to, my middle sister is a musician, to all be creatives. It wasn't, it's very uh, atypical because most, I feel like, the stereotype is like lawyer, doctor for Korean families. Right. Um, but we were like, no, you become an artist. Um, and that's all what, you know we ever wanted to do anyway, so it was a fit. Um, but yes, she had heard about Cooper Union that it was free. So she from third grade on and be like you either get into cooper and i won't say what the other school was it wasn't as good of a program and she said if you don't make it there then i'm going to send you here and it was almost a threat the other school which i won't mention (laughs) um yeah and so it was just my part of again my childhood of like that's the school i'm gonna go to or i have no other choice free school or bust yeah um and i don't i honestly don't think she knew anything about it she knew it was she free. Just, yeah, she knew it was free, which <laughs> That's is all she needed to know. <laughs> right. Well, um, and also it sounds good. It's like the Cooper Union School for the Advancement of Sciences and right, Art. Right. Yeah. It looks, I mean, sounds it, fancy and <laughs> sounds like diverse and yeah. You know, a good free place to send your kid. Yeah, and my sister, who's seven years, my oldest is seven years older. Um, she had applied, uh, but didn't didn't get in. Um, oh no! Did she have to go to Plan she did. B? Did <laughs> have to go to the other school? You know, but her, that was meant to be. Um, she had gone into, she, she had gotten into Pratt. Pratt is not the other school, but she had gotten into Pratt and she really wanted to go, but it was just too expensive. Yeah. She only had a partial scholarship, so she wound up going to a different school. And I think she really loved her time at this other school that I won't mention. Columbia University. No, and you won't be able to find it online because that's not, yeah, that's not available. Um but yeah, her education was awesome. And, yeah. uh, and she's a mus- this is the musician. No, that's my middle sister, oh, sorry. my oldest sister. Um, so she's an artist. The oldest sister's an yeah, artist. Yeah, she's not practicing anymore, but um, she's uh, she's a fitness instructor now. It's so oh, different. That's cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, she... So anyway, so she, uh, she didn't get in, and so the pressure was really on to be like, do not make the same mistakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I had some time, and the only thing that I was able to do that my sister didn't get to do was do the pre-college program at Cooper. Oh, yeah. So there were two. There was a Saturday program and then the pre-college program, uh, which was um, slightly different, but you had to be a New York City kid. Yeah. I'm not even waiting for you to ask me questions. I'm just telling you my You're whole life gr- story. You're doing great. <laughs> Without any prompting. <laughs> Um, well, that was uh, good parenting. She she knew how to get it in, right? Is to do those early classes, like that's yeah, that was good right. for your and that was probably process. some other thing that she had heard. So, uh, but I by that time, so I moved out of my house when I was thirteen. Really? And yeah. Wait, were you still? You weren't still in Staten Island? Is that no, by by then we were living in Westchester. So my mom, um, she didn't remarry, but she met a guy. Um, in a very scandalous way, and we all moved to Westchester. Yeah. I love that you're like, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get too personal with information, but you have, like, really good personal stories. Yeah, no, my, I feel like my personal stories of 
it's soap opera material. Um, <laughs> most people wouldn't even believe it. Um, well, you, but so, so the you very the few people that know my story are like, how are you alive and normal? <laughs> like, you seem right. pretty together. Um, well, you have to be, if you go through a lot of stuff, right. it makes you strong, you know? Yeah. You didn't just grow up in like a sheltered suburb right. of Westchester, say. Right. And, you know, your parents <laughs> were lavished you with whatever you wanted. And, no. you know, you had to tough it out. Yeah. I that think, builds uh, character. Right. I mean, you can go either ways, right? It can crush you. Oh, yeah. You, you can, can just totally fall it. apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. And luckily, I, I just, I didn't see any other option. So I, when I was 13, you know, I, <clears throat> my sisters had just moved out to go to college. My middle sister had just moved to Vestal, um, which is uh, right by SUNY Binghamton. She mm-hmm. went to SUNY Binghamton. So, um, you know, I was asked to move out. Um, so then I asked this, the very polite way of <laughs> phrasing it. I moved in with my middle sister, who was at SUNY Binghamton. Um, she was a freshman. She was almost done with her freshman year. And she was a teenager, too. She's only five years older than me. So it was two teenagers just living together. Um, and I, But she was, at that point, she's in college. So yeah. That seems a little... Better than me. A little easier to acclimate to life on your own than... Right. You were 13? I was 13. Oof. She was 18. Um, and, you know, she's... Uh, if I look back to what I was doing in my college, I was like, oh, that was, you know, she seemed older to me because at that age, it's a difference. She seemed almost like an adult and I was still a kid. And I was a very, I wasn't, um, I don't even think I had really hit puberty. <laughs> and yeah. I was a very young looking, naive kid. I, and the only reason why I think no one you know, called child protective services because I was a good student and I was in, you know, no trouble. honor roll and everybody just assumed that we were living with adults. Like I had supervision yeah. and um, I enrolled myself in, my, in at the high school, at the local high school. I think I just showed up. I took the, the yellow bus that I had seen come by the apartment that we were living in. And I just got on. No one asked any questions. And I just like rolled into Dif- different times. right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> this, these days, that would be like a security issue. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I, and this is Vestal. It's like, it's fine. Um, and I think I just said, Oh, my parents don't speak English. So they just, and they were like, Oh, you're, like immigrant child, I'm gonna be this is normal, and it was really not a diverse uh, community. So mm-hmm. I think they just believed whatever I said. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was high school. That's crazy. Yeah. So you were on your own. Yeah, I mean, I had but my you sister. still knew that you had to get into Cooper, or at right. that point, did you just internalize it and you thought that's where I want to go, or did no, you feel I, that pressure? I, I felt like I had no other choice. Yeah, um, but it made me work extremely hard. Uh, so, you know, you're, if you're in upstate New York to get into the pre-college program, cause it's free, um, yeah. you have to be part of New York city. You have to live in one of the boroughs. And so I would take the bus three hours every Saturday. No, fr- um, yeah. Every Saturday morning I would go on the Greyhound bus. Ugh, I would ne- I'll never go on a Greyhound bus again. They're awful. Awful. Um, no offense, Greyhound. Oh yeah. <laughs> in case sure they become listening. a sponsor one day. We love Greyhound. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, yeah, I, 
I lied on my application and I was a, I don't even, I don't even think I was a good liar. I think I said I went to like Queens high school because I had to fill out a form and it has to be one of the, I don't think so. Um, I don't know why I didn't research prior to, and well, there was no internet, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I think they took, they must've liked my portfolio enough. And I think they took pity on me. Like clearly this girl is like desperate to get into this program. Um, and by midway, they knew that I was commuting like three hours on Saturdays to get there and then three hours back. And, um, but it made all the difference in the world. I was waitlisted and because I had done the pre-college program, I think I got bumped up yeah. and got in. Um, so you did it. Did it disappoint? Was it a great place or how was it? Cooper? Uh, yeah, it was great. I think I just, you know, I, you, you go through so much trauma as a child and you kind of internalize it because you're working towards such a big goal. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you're extremely just like hyper focused. And by when I got in, I think so much of that kind of came crumbling down to be like, okay, now I'm here. I didn't even have a plan after Cooper. It was just all getting about, in. yeah, getting in. Like, how do I get a free education, a free, like good education? Yeah. Um, and, so I, my time, if I look back, I feel like it was a blur. I did, I think I came up just enough to do a couple of, you know, projects and works that I still to this, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not bad. Yeah. But I just couldn't focus enough to even look for mentorships and um, take full advantage of what was available to me. What years was this that you were there? This is 99 to 03. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, but I guess that's with everyone where if I had that opportunity now, obviously I would, it would be different. And well, that's, I yeah. always joke that like education's yeah. wasted on the young. The young. Cause yeah. like, as you get older, you're like, Oh, I really want to learn stuff. Right. But when you're younger, it's like, I just want to yeah. go out and have fun and yeah, I mean work, but then also just do your thing. You right. Know? And um, as you get older, you're like, Oh man, if I could go back to school today, yeah, you would just I'd get like, learn so stuff out of it. Yeah. Um, and also it was the first time that I had met a couple of kids at the pre-college program and they all, you know, we all got in. So that I really connected with um, kids my own age, mm-hmm. I think moving around so much. I had never finished, um, started and finished the same school. I, I was moving around like every two years. So growing up like that, you just, you don't connect with people and you're like, well, I'm going to be gone. So right. what's the point? Um, and I, I think I was living a very like mini adult life so when you see kids being kids and having fun and being loose i'm like i don't even know what that is right um did you since your your sisters were older mm -hmm. were you kind of a loner in a way like you didn't and you're always moving around that you didn't have those really close friends that were always around yeah they always shared a room um the bigger room growing up and then um i either a lot of most of my childhood i i shared a room with my mother because it was it was like two bedroom um when we first came here it was a one bedroom and like all three a tiny bedroom and all was like all three of us in there but <laughs> eventually we moved up in life and it was a two bedroom um i just picture your mom just like at night after you fall asleep going cooper you need <laughs> <laughs> right? you better do it cooper. or else um <laughs> Oh, shoot, I can't remember what you asked me now. What was the question? 
Oh, what did I? I was, uh, well, I'm just generally asking how Cooper was. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But I you mean, were just was... kind of like, you went there and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm here. But yeah. you didn't have a feeling of like, well, now I'm going to work on this. Or this is yeah. the kind of work that I like. It was yeah. more about, can I just get in here? Yeah. And then but you don't... were you taking like foundations and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, was that's there anything? Regard, right? There's foundation. Um, color theory. Um, Mr. Rubin, he passed away, I think, in early 2000. But. That was impactful. I think I learned a lot yeah. out of all my foundation classes. That's the only one I can, rec- you know, You stayed awake like, for. <laughs> yeah, that I was like, hmm, okay. Um, and, you know, when you get into Cooper, you have to stay in. Like, if you don't show up and do your yeah. work, then you get kicked out. You get the boot. So. Well, it's free. They're not going to give you. Right. And just, like, let you slack off. Right. And there were a couple of kids that, you know, didn't get all the way through. Um, but it was hard. I think it, it everything just hit me that freshman year just like having the relief of like i'm in i'm safe and be like well actually now what how do i navigate my life after this or just go through life in the present yeah um you didn't set up a uh, out of out of habit like the next goal that you had to do no it was like blank just blank <laughs> that's because it wasn't your goal necessarily it was right. mom's goal yeah so now you're like okay well, now what yeah i um so, you know, I, Cooper, you don't declare a major, it's general education, and you can focus if you want to, and a lot of painters did, and um, I don't know, so I took everything from, you know, printmaking to drawing to... Um, Do you have to take science classes, or is that just... Yeah, botany. Yeah. And which, oh, you know, <laughs> like, do not remember, it's a semester of botany, so, yeah, that's... Wasn't something. your thing. That's another thing where I nowadays if I, you would yeah imagine. I would like I'm finally getting to bonsai like I just be like uh, I would have I would like that class now but yeah, um, yeah so I I took uh, photography but I photography was too technical for me but I that's the I think that those were the the best classes um, and I wind up my senior my senior show was mostly based on found photography and. Mm-hmm. Um, sequencing and albums and things like that but yeah that that was closer to I think what I thought I wanted to do but Cooper was great and maybe other people have different opinions it it doesn't really set you up for reality of then how do you make a living and how do you support yourself and I think most art schools don't I don't think (laughs) right I mean I wonder if it's changed it has okay and nowadays is it's not like taboo to talk about okay here's like how to build a CV and like be prepared to like do something creative after school. But in my day it was like, they didn't talk about that because they didn't want to taint your education with like, you know, the sort of like grime of real world stuff. It's like, we're, we're teaching you about art. Yeah. Not like romanticizing. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Leave all the business gross side out of it. But, but then you get out of school and you have no, Right, employable skills. You're all. just like, oh, yeah. okay. What? Yeah, and um, you know, there were kids going to grad school, and I knew that would be wasted at that point because it was a, you know, Cooper was a haze, and so I'm gonna spend another two years, and then I'd really have to hone in and what am I doing? And so my senior year, I did, um, I did a couple of uh, what is it called when you're a private study. Independence independent study, study yeah. private study, independent study um, with the professor. Um, her name is Morgan Morton. She's actually a photography professor, but she did graphic design as well mm-hmm. at Cooper. 
I didn't have a class with her prior to that, but she was very supportive of my work. Um, and she, I think it was her that um, encouraged me to apply to HDK uh, Basel. It's uh, a dis- communication design program mm-hmm. in Switzerland. But I didn't really have much of a graphic design portfolio, so I submitted um, just <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> um, a lot of the, the sculptures and installation stuff that I was doing with the found photography and some drawings. And um, luckily, and this is the story of my life, I think that school really hadn't seen a portfolio like that. And so they were like, okay, like, let her in. That sounds interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. what would you do in graphic design? I mean, I had taken some graphic design classes at Cooper, but really in the foundation year, um, I mean, the early, just like basic 101, right. how to use like Photoshop and Illustrator and all that stuff. Um, so I got in and I, it was a scholarship program for a year. So that, again, it was nice. free. Free and, year in Basel. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll be in Europe, so I'll travel and that's what I'll do. Um, and that was probably the best decision I made not because of the graphic design program because clearly I'm not a graphic designer but it made me travel and Basel from New York City is there's a lot of distractions there's nothing going on in Basel just time and aloneness but I learned at that point I think how to live with my own thoughts and not be distracted and take it easy and just absorb what was around me yeah did you do some Europe travel I did. Um, it's so easy. I know. And it was, I don't know if they still have URL pass. URL pass? I think so. Yeah. I haven't done that in yeah. a while, but yeah. I, I, think I had one of those. Um, first year, a friend of mine had bought when I was going off a little travel, um, I guess it was like a fanny pack where like you put your passport and your ID and it was like little pockets for everything. I went, the first time I went to Milan, like immediately stolen, like all of my <laughs> ID was immediately gone. Because you don't oh, put no. it all in the same place. Right. You diversify that stuff. Right. Um, everything, well, money, everything was gone. Um, Yikes. Yeah. No, that was a, I made a project out of it, but that was trying to cross the border back to Switzerland, trying to prove that I was me was extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, but I made it back and that was an adventure. Um, yeah. How was it? I mean, what did you... What did you actually do while you were there? Did you make work or did you study or? Yeah, so I took, um, you know, everyone went there to study typography with Wolfgang Weingard, who's like the most famous, you know, graphic designer in the world. Um, the font and god. And they were learning how to kern mm-hmm. uh, by like cutting out the letters and just doing it under glass. And I was like, oh Whoa. no. That's old school. Like, fuck that. <laughs> like, I'm not, <laughs> that's, that is ridiculous work. Right. Um, and so I signed up for like motion graphics mm-hmm. and action scripting, but I don't have a technical brain. So coding was like, what's going on? Like, I don't have any foundation in this. So how do I make things move? But I would have ideas and then I would almost con my classmates and to just write me a little code here. And then I would oh, get yeah. everybody to do little sections and be like, make it move like this, make this go like this. So with all of, I wind up just doing essentially art projects, I want to say, using computer, using the computer. Yeah. And I used my year, my, probably there, I I have wasted that scholarship, but doing my own work. um, And at the end, my portfolio that I came out with, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that, that again was one of those things where I would apply for jobs and Basel looked, Cooper looked good, Basel looked good. And then my portfolio was just so out of the norm. You know, I didn't have the real, like, you, you learn identity, like branding. And yeah. so, you know, you show that you could brand, make brochures. And mine wasn't like that. Mine was just, it looked like just, I don't know, just crazy art projects, but printed. Um, so, you know, I was able to like get my foot in the door, but I didn't know how to do anything. So I would get <laughs> hired and then immediately fired and be like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're framing it as like, you, you kind of have this facade of like, oh, I can do all these. I'm so unconventional and I yeah. can do all these things. Yeah. And look at my unconventional right. path to getting to where I am. Uh-huh. And then, but, but really, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the foundation. I mean, of graphic design to if you, yeah, the first uh, job I had where I had to make a booklet. I don't have the skills to <laughs> <laughs> organize. Um, and yeah, and he had, and the creative director at that agency in, in Frankfurt had really loved my portfolio and mm-hmm. thought that, I think they, I think I was very misunderstood being like, oh, she must have a really solid foundation in graphic design because she's able to now break all of the rules and come up with this. Genius. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but it worked for a while. Like that portfolio followed me for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what did, so the, the path seems like it's taking you places, but what yeah. did you... Or did you feel at that point you knew, like, what did you want to do? Or what did you want to be doing? Or were you just yeah. following? No, I, I think a little bit of both. I, um, I've, I've always wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. But graduating and not being prepared, um, just, it scared me. It seemed like a, a really rough life. That was the examples that I was, you know, seeing of classmates where you have... A full-time job and then the little time free time you have you work on your art and um it you just mean, didn't you mean reality yeah <laughs> <laughs> reality and I had already I felt like had you know by the time I was 21 I felt like I was like 40 something I just my life was rough I mean this is what I just told you was just a snippet right, of right. everything else and it was um, I was like, oh, I'm like, I've already gone through such a rough life and I'm going to make sure that I'm every, every step I take from this point, it's going to, it's going to just to like, just to better my life. But I had the fear of, I don't, I don't want to be like poor and I want to be able to like turn the heat on. Like I, yeah, yeah. I want to be able to pay rent and be, you know, independent and all this stuff. Eat food. Yeah. And food. Wear yeah. clothing. Right. <laughs> um, so that, and graphic design was like a very easy I mean granted I didn't learn anything but that seemed like oh okay I know you can get a job as a graphic designer it's employable yeah mm-hmm. um, and I did I got a bunch of jobs um, uh, but I just I hated it I didn't I didn't like it so I just sitting at a computer all day not even that but um, I just I don't have personality for it and People, a lot of people think I'm so, so patient and meticulous because of the kind of work that I do, but I'm not. Um, people are like very surprised by my personality. I don't. I don't know. I, I always get a little. Isn't I, it I, funny how that happens? Yeah. People just expect you. To like be a lot very of times, different. people think I'm relatively neat because yeah. my paintings aren't like sl- yeah. like all over the place. I'm like, not really. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think those things. But um, a lot of people do, though. Yeah. Remember, I was in. I was in some sort of. A, I was at an art fair, and someone said. You're, I mean, she's like 
such a dick, but she said, <laughs> I was, I was supposed to, she was like a collector and I was like talking about work and she said, um, your work is quiet, but you're certainly not quiet. And I was like, okay. Oh my. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. I mean, people say the weirdest shit to they you. They really do. Oh my God. Especially like, like those collect or yeah. people like that. Please filter. Like, yeah. Jeez. Um, no, they get away with like walking around saying whatever they yeah. want all the time because people are nice to them because they have money. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, come on in. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So that was that. So yeah. what did you do? Like oh. once you got out of Cooper. And Basel. Basel. Then uh, Basel, my my fake portfolio took me to Frankfurt. Nice. Um, and when I was at Frankfurt, um, the my employer wasn't able to. My visa got declined. My work visa got declined. So um, I he he basically got me into the Städelschule and to study with Tobias Tobias Reberger. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I was not, I mean, that was for me to get a V. This is like probably not good. I mean, I won't say the agency name, but, um, but I did wind up attending some classes and, and, and I think yeah. the statute of limitations of whatever you're talking about Herbs. is pretty fun. Right. It's all, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do they get? Germany is going to be, someone's going to come after me. But, Tobias um, is going to fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of work. Um, I was just so far from it and, and in that program, they were also interested. They saw me as a graphic designer, and they were also interested. So it's always just constantly being misunderstood by being right. able to get in the door. Um, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. You're kind of like a I said I'm scrappy. Of some like sort. I'll just, you know, that's my upbringing where I'm like, yeah, yeah. like I will claw my way in <laughs> um, because there's no there's no alternative. But I did that. I hated Frankfurt. I just, it was, I think Berlin would have been a cool experience, but Frankfurt as a city was not a fit for me. Um, so I came back to New York with no money, like no money. <laughs> I barely had money to um, ship my, just the few boxes I, you know, of personal items. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Right. Ooh. But. Wait, well, were you, you were moving back with family? Or your in New York? Yeah. No, by that time, I, you know, when I, I was barely in touch with my family throughout Cooper. And then when I left for Basel, I just cut everything out. And I said, okay, this is, it it's wasn't. in the world. Yeah, I just, and when I went to, I, when I, my time in Europe, I was like, oh, I'm really alone. But those relationships weren't doing me any favors. It was, it was making my life much harder. Yeah. Um, so that step, and then when I came back, uh, I just crashed with friends um, and applied. I went on Craigslist and applied every single graphic design job, like every day, like hundreds of emails, and they were all cookie cutter. And one of the agencies that got back to me first was um, a, a little ad agency, a boutique ad agency, um, where I met my husband, and he nice. was the creative director, and so our first meet was his inter- like he, him interviewing me, and so oh. our wedding cake was the email being like, "Hello, Mimi, That's I so really funny. like your portfolio. Please come in for an interview." <laughs> um, Would you yeah. like to get married? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just. I mean, that's another story, but um, yeah, he's. It was meant to be. I think it was the, the path, the the everything the whole, whole graphic design i really do believe that it, it got me to meet my husband who like has changed uh, my perspective in life and i think it it's like i kind of went through my childhood again where you know um stability and structure and like 
someone constantly supporting you is what what you need to have yeah some space in your brain to absorb other things and be i don't know maybe creative but not only creative but to actually produce work i think i mean some people thrive on just living off the cliff you know right on the edge but i think for me it was the opposite i needed a little bit more structure and care Mm -hmm. um and so yeah so did you set up a studio did you start were you making work at this point you're like when are you gonna get to your work no no i was just wondering (laughs) when that came in because you found you found a gig you found oh yeah so i was working there i only worked there for six months again my husband who was not my husband who's my boss was like was the same thing be like you don't know how to do that like how did you (laughs) like what um was he a little more lenient no he was a tough boss um and i didn't even know any of the the shortcuts Mm mm-hmm for any of the programs and I would just go to be like file oh, no. dropped, like <laughs> one at a time red flag yeah for... and I remember him and he's the kindest most gentle man and I remember him being like what are you doing and he prints it on tapes it on my monitor and was like by the end of the day you better learn all of these shortcuts and I was like okay, okay. <laughs> um but uh yeah so I was doing that then I went to uh another design studio where they were doing catalog and exhibition design mm-hmm. for um, museums. And I thought, oh, okay, that's Perfect. closer to what I, where I want to be. Um, again, like a con job of the old portfolio, not even anything from the ad agency because that wasn't, that didn't mesh with what I had from Basel. So same, same con job to that studio, got in the, one of the, both bosses were um, a Cooper alum. So I think that oh, was nice. always also like, and by the time I was ready to leave, which was only maybe like a year into it, I think the day that I was going to leave, they were going to fire me. It was it was like that, like the same, con- like we were speaking and we're like, oh, we're both on the same page. Yeah, yeah. So um, I left and said, no more graphic design. I'm done. I'm unhappy. I was getting like physically just like my stomach was just in knots every day doing something that I did not like doing. I was... I feel like there's a couple of things in life where I was just above average. So you're like, I guess I can do it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make you happy. And right. It wasn't um, fulfilling at all. Uh, and I saw other graphic designers just so happy. I would, I remember going to, um, I remember going to a birthday party that had crashed and it was all like two by four kids. Mm-hmm. And someone had brought uh, a flashcard game of like typefaces. And I was like, you guys, I am clearly in the wrong field because this is the nerdiest game <laughs> that is so not interesting anyway to me, but everyone was having the best time. I was like, yeah. okay, this is a sign. Um, so I left. Then uh, um, an agency called uh, Art and Commerce saw my portfolio online and called me in and I was like, okay, I'll freelance because I need to make money. I can't just leave a job and you know, while I try to figure out what I want to do. But I knew at that point, like, oh, I don't do well working for other people. Like, I, I'm much too selfish. Like, I need to work for myself. Be your own boss. Yeah. yeah. And that was very clear from early on. Um, so art commerce, just like a couple of weeks, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to, this is too much of a safety again, so let me get out. And then IDEO, um, I don't know if you're... Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I remember IDEO someone came from IDEO to show us what the whole company was about at Cooper and 
there's the video that's really like from the 90s that makes IDEO seem, I mean, and it is, it's a very innovative company. But um, they found my portfolio and they're like, could you come in? We're trying to expand our New York office. And again, I think it was just a mix of different work that I've done. And that was a, I want to say it was like two months of interviews. It was so rigorous. And then I didn't get the job. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. You, that. Yeah, I, didn't, I had to meet with every single person in the office. Um, I didn't even get the job. But that was the best thing that happened to me because that made me be like, fuck this. I'm yeah. done. No more. I'm over like, it. I, yeah, I didn't even, I kept getting roped in. Like, kept, like people kept presenting opportunities. And I'm yeah. like, this is it. Um, wow, your life would have been different. Yeah. If you got the game. No, I would have gotten fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. They would have been like, what? Right, like, right. who is this person? And it's so much about teamwork. And I was clearly not cut out for that. And I, I'd like to think that they saw through that. They were smart enough to see like, oh, yeah, this is not going to be a place for her. But I did meet the creative director. Her name is Mimi Chun. And I feel like uh, we've crossed paths so many times in life. And she's now a friend of mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Mimi Jung. She's Mimi Chun. And so right. I thought, oh, this is very unusual. Close. Um and yeah, and she's helped me in so many different ways throughout my entire career. Um, so hi, Mimi. <laughs> like she's, I, I'll have to send this to her. Um, but that was another good thing that came out of that interview, just yeah. meeting her. Um, so that happened. I was then just doing random things and trying to make money. I think that was always the back of my head be like, uh, you, you don't like, this is real. Like you need to figure out how to support yourself because you're not going to struggle and like wash, reuse paper towels and wash them and all this, like this is not going to happen to you. Like you're going to have a better life. So I started taking workshops because I didn't have any of the facilities that obviously I had a Cooper and, um, and have a studio, uh, or anything like that. And one of the classes I signed up for was machine knitting because it just sounded like, oh, okay, maybe closer to graphic. I know I know a few graphic designers that own their own machines, and I thought, oh, this can maybe I it would come very easily to me. But that class got canceled, and they put me. They said, oh, we can't really refund you, but we can put you in a weaving class. I was oh like, what's God. weaving? I don't even know what that is. Is that different from knitting? Like I don't. So. I took the class. It was like a four-day workshop. Three of the days was just setting up the loom. It was a big floor loom. And I thought, when do we get to actually making <laughs> shit? Like, what is this process? What's the holdup, people? Yeah, and the last day was like frantically weaving something that's like eight by, eight by ten, like yeah. something so tiny. tiny. Um, and I hated it. I was like, this was a big waste of time because I did not think that I was ever going to invest in a loom set that up and like that 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 was going to be my life um but I took then by that time I had moved to LA um I was freelancing here and there and just kind of still trying to figure out what I want to do and my husband was also working for himself and so by that time we're like we can live anywhere maybe we're done with New York actually it was my idea he was very reluctant to leave New York but I showed him Silver Lake and I was like, it's basically Brooklyn. So just, just <laughs> more like, sun. trust me. Brooklyn with more sun. Yeah. I was like, let's just try this. And if we're really unhappy in a year, we'll just move back. New York will always be here. And now we love it. But um, so we moved. And in Venice, there was a, like a store that was giving um, weaving classes. And mm-hmm. a friend of mine wanted to go. And I was like, all right. We'll this just- again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this time, the loom was already set up. And the teacher basically was saying, 
you can put anything in in the warp like here's a piece of leaf like i don't know just you know you have any like tissues in your pocket like put that in there and that not that what i made was anything special but i was like oh okay i'm getting the whole floor loom confused me to be like this is a pro it felt like graphic design like there's a lot of rules and a lot of steps before you get somewhere and with this i was like okay this makes more sense and then i started researching different types of looms and that's when i came across the tapestry loom which is kind of it's a it's what i use now my looms are custom made for me so they're yeah. slightly different but um it feels like a canvas you can see what you're doing right, right in front of you and that's when everything clicked oh, so, so those those structures that you use are they made by you my husband makes them. Okay. So but he also not, like, had a very prefabbed. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. They just it feels like it's your operation. Yeah. Totally. So all the looms in my I have a tiny floor loom that I just put in the corner that I never use. But um yeah, all the looms in my studio are <laughs> loom street cred. Like, I got one of those too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know how to do it. <laughs> um Yeah, so I started weaving, but it didn't you know, I had really no thought. I was just learning how to weave, really. So everything was very, very linear. You know, you, you build from bottom up. Or sometimes you weave upside down, but, you know. Um, so if you look at, like, the really beginning the stages of my work, it looks, I think it, it you know, it looks like everything and every kind of really craft-based weaving that's out there. Yeah. Um, with a, not a lot of thought, but just purely maybe processor. Um, but because I was so adamant and like, I need to make a living. Like I will not <laughs> go back to washing paper towels. I knew that if I have an audience, then I'll be able to shift and do different things and sell work. And this is gonna, this is gonna be, and maybe that audience will travel with me and it has. So when I was starting to make the small, even like learning how to weave and tiny samples and things like that, I sold all of them and that's how I supported myself. I, I always say like I've sold all of my mistakes and just out of the studio or how were you selling it? I, you know, I had a blog and yeah, yeah. I, you know, Instagram and things like that and being like, this is for sale. Like yeah. anybody want it? And then somebody would DM me. I mean, I, there was no DM, they like email me or something. Right. Um, and yeah. And, uh, I think it's, I have, some fear-based things because of my my childhood but another side to my personality is uh that i recently kind of understood for the first time was um you know when i was training uh to become a foster mom we you know you take all these classes to help understand the trauma that these kids have gone through and how to deal with them and things like that and um one of the instructors were saying you know, it's really hard to discipline foster kids because everything that everything has already been done to them. So what are you going to what are you going to do? Like right. you're going to say, go to your room like that's nothing. That's a luxury. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and my husband, and I both looked at each other like, oh, that's why. Like, that's why I take such big risks in life, because I've had nothing. And it's there's no I know how to climb out of that. It's right. totally fine. Um, so. With the weaving, I, you know, when I was making smaller works and just really learning how to use loom and figuring out materials, I would just sell all of them, which would get me to the next, you know, next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it really just grew organically from there. And 
well, it's kind of nice, I guess, as you're doing that and selling yeah. those things, you're you're building a rep. I imagine you're building a repertoire of like how to do what you want to yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, it's how to diversify it. Right. Way. So the the normal way I would say is you you know lock yourself in a studio, you build a body of work, and then you show it. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I work, it, and it's now become half half, but. I'll, um, even when I, you know, get commissions, I'll, I don't take all the commissions and I'll only take commissions where, well, I wanted to develop that body of work or that series. So yeah. And I, I'm interested in this. So I'm able to sort of pivot and, and sort of guide the, the collector to be like, well, this is what I'm interested in working on. So if you want to commission something for me, this is what, you know, I'd like to do. Yeah. So I'm building a body of work and learning and really honing in. Um, but I'm able to sell the work and, have a life yeah so well you work it's it really seems like i mean i don't know the back end of like what the studio is like or whatever but it seems like it just has a lot of like the boundaries aren't there it's just a lot of haziness as far as there's yeah. a lot of entry points to a lot of different people yeah and you know i've seen stuff of yours in the gallery setting where mm-hmm. it just looks it's very attuned to like you know painting yeah. with with weaving yeah. and then there's also if it's photographed or if it's like in a certain atmosphere it looks very design oriented to where like people who right. like high design right will be like oh i need that for my place right so so, so can, i do i do work with a lot of art advisors and interior designers yeah. um and, and la must be a good place for that no i sell actually most of my work in new york huh. I, I would say really? in this in the united states new york is number one um and then la would be like number four but, um, yeah, I mean, I was part of the design community for, you know, until I feel like recently and I'm making more of a shift. Uh, but it introduced me to a lot of industry people that, yeah. you know, it, it made my work um, more visible to right. those people. And so, yeah, it's very organic. I don't, you know, people just reach out to me. and um, I think that's really good, though, because inherently i think some with fine art Mm -hmm. a lot not everyone a lot of people like to draw those boundaries or there's like oh well your work is doing this or doing that right where i think if people are coming to it from a more diverse background yeah of like you know whether it's design or whether it's fashion or you know other areas they're not so hung up on that right that whole delineating like oh well is this yeah. A painting. Do you think of this as right. painting? All that stuff. Right. It's just like, oh, that's really interesting to yeah. look at. Yeah. And I enjoy those conversations more. Um, you know, one day I'll maybe do things properly. I feel like my whole life has been a little bit like it's been a little going, bit of this, a little bit of that. It's been going well doing it your way. Why not? Yeah. No, that's true. I wonder how long I can keep this up. Is this, you know. Is it sustain- I think, it seems is sustainable? There, is there a max? And then I... I mean, it's my personality to always do things my own way. Um, And is the other way that sustainable too? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't don't think there's... That's like the whole thing of... Like you were talking about before. Like, oh, well, you know, I I want you to have a good life. So go be a doctor or a lawyer or something. It's like, well... A, yeah. is that always a given that you're going to be successful if you go into those fields, no, A? And yeah. B, will you be happy? Right. You know, how yeah. about like, why don't you go do what you really want to do and find right. a way to make it work? Right. The happiness factor, um, I I think people don't, they find it almost corny to talk about it and be like, it, it's, it's so simplified, but I, I do... I think because my the first half of my life was so unhappy and it seemed very normal to be unhappy and 
and happiness to be unattainable. That was just given. I didn't even question it. I was like, this is just life. And I was so used to it that now, it, I mean, it really drives all of my decision making. And the financial aspect of how I built my practice and you know how I continue to do my work, it allows you to make smart choices where if you're desperate you know, because you have to have this to pay this and you'll make dumb decisions in life. Um, and this is a way to have a little bit more freedom where you're financially comfortable and um, yeah, and you can create work that you want to create in the environment you want to create and but have basically, I guess, patrons. I, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing since you do have a good, mm-hmm. you know, ability to connect with a direct collector base of yeah. stuff like that. It's enabled you to, to do your thing in a way. Yeah. Um, does it, do you have like this sort of separate side thing of where like I'm really now or maybe always I've, I I want to do museum shows and yeah. like other shows that are more quote unquote like in yeah. the fine art realm. That right. way I can push yeah. the limits or right. push the kind of way that this stuff gets made and what it's yeah where no, it's going to be seen and how it's going right. to be seen. Is that stuff that you're yeah? I mean that's what I think I talked about where I'm like how long can I be. Um, scrappy and do it the way I want to do right. it and have, you know, I have obviously like some control issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I had my first museum show last year in May um, oh, through was that? Brooch Commissions. Um, it's an Australian studio and they put together a show at the National Gallery of Victoria. And I felt like when I got there, I had skipped like 20 steps. Um, I don't know. No one's saying anything to me, but. I'm sorry? Oh, I was going to ask how that museum, how was it? It was um, so such another level, so spectacular. Um, when I saw even the little things, when I went in the last day of install um, and the lighting crew was there, I had never seen, it took forever. They would move the light like one millimeter right. at a time. It was so perfectly lit. I was like, okay, this is the goal. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. um, And I owe a lot to Broach Commissions and and for commissioning all the work to that show. And it's still, I think it just closed a few days ago. But I would like to do more of that. I was going to say, does that like give you the bug of wanting to do like yeah. giant or like installation specific things that are yeah i'm sure seeing your work like that when you i mean you know when you see your work in a museum like yeah. lit really nice in that right. environment it's like right it's hard to go back to mm. you know <laughs> well, i'm pretty happy with the show now at carvel park i i, I oh no like, not yeah. not to go back to a gallery no oh, i'm saying oh, just oh, like oh, seeing yeah. it in a really nice install right makes you want to see your work right installed nicely um, you know and I'm, I would say I'm pretty ambitious. I mean, sometimes I feel like that's like a dirty word or something Why? that I'm supposed to just be like so lost in my artwork where I can't, you know, what's ambition? I don't know. I mean, but everyone has Drive, it. yeah. Right. I think you have to be too. Um, right. And I, there, the conversations that I had with the curators at the NGV um, and the archivists, like I learned so much through that show. I'd be like, okay, this is how you start to navigate so that you can not only have more shows like that, but um, have your work be collected by institutions and such. And Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I, I, I definitely liked it. And I'd like to still be part of the design community, but also the fine art community and, and do things from Seems like you're doing a good job at being you. 
I mean, if being you is yeah. working so well, why not just yeah. keep being you? <laughs> well, what I guess like there's no other option. Like I always think like I don't. There's nothing else. Yeah, but there's people. Yeah. I've know a lot of artists. There's people who've started the show and started to get successful at something and yeah. it overtakes their mental process. They're like, oh, oh. now I've got to do this and I've yeah. got to get a bigger studio and okay. I've got to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it just like messes with their head. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like so think of an actor who gets a big role and all yeah. of a sudden like, well, I only have, I can only do this or right. it just totally changes role. their creative process. Uh, LA I mean, has it would been, be, that's the, you, then you need to go to LA because in New York, and even when I'm here for a short period of time like this, uh, there's just too much to do, too much to see, and too many people to hang out with, and just distractions everywhere. Um, in LA, there's stuff going on, obviously, and there's a huge art scene that's booming, but because everything is so far apart, and there's crazy traffic, you can show up to nothing, and it's totally excusable. Um, so I really, it's a place for me where I could keep my head down and get so much work done. I do that here. Oh, All you okay. need is a kid. I could not do that. All you here. need is a kid yeah. here, and then it's like, oh, sorry, I can't go out. I gotta, okay, I got to get up. At oh yeah, I mean, me also, it's age. Like as I get older, I'm, you know, I just it sounds all exhausting. <laughs> yeah, no, no, LA to me. I mean, you know, I've been. Yeah. And it just seems segmented in a way that I I love New York in that. Yeah. In that I am busy. I'm yeah. doing my thing all the time. Yeah. But if I need to, yeah. in a pinch, I could go out in like 10 minutes and be somewhere where I can yeah. meet people and, no. and that community's right there and not right. drive an you hour and a half and like yeah. on the right moment to where people come together for an hour and then go drive somewhere else for, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that cannot happen. I can't hang with that. Kind but of, I, I like that. I like, um, I don't, I don't, I wasn't doing that here either. Just like spur of the moment. Like, let's get a drink. Um, I like nice dinner parties at somebody's house that's that nice. was like that's my favorite thing or you know dinner with like a very close-knit group of friends um yeah i'm i think when people meet me they misunderstand and think i i could be social that i because i'm i'm somewhat friendly and yeah. i'm speaking to you i've never met you before <laughs> but right. then when they find us other side be like no i just want to be left alone like yeah yeah, I have that duality too. Right. I mean, I, this is basically the main way that I get out. I don't go to openings. Yeah. Really at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just the party. Like, you can't see any of the work. It's the worst way to see anywhere. Exactly. So, yeah. And then you're just like sweaty and talking to them. I, yeah. I just rather just sit and have a real conversation with yeah. someone. No, me too. That like feels yeah. like afterwards, I feel like, oh, that was like, I feel yeah. like that was nice. <laughs> yeah, just like good use of time. Um, do you work every day pretty much or I what's do. your work so schedule like for and you have well, a, you have a kid not, so no so that I, I'll I'll get or, to that I I um, or you might not want to get to that. I no I can it just I just have to be very careful about names and things like that but yeah I I used to work every day I think it's you know, I consider myself a New Yorker, so when I talk about New York, don't get offended because I am also a New Yorker. Right, right. But in New York, I feel like you work every day. It's kind of, and especially if you love what you do, you do it all the time, and yeah. you're like sleep deprived. And that was at least my life. And I was much younger when I lived here, but not much younger. I'm not. I'm not that old. But you know. <laughs> um, you look like you could be in college. Oh, thank you. No one ever says that, and. Me being Korean, I feel like I should look younger than my age, but everyone just always go like, oh yeah, 37, that makes sense. No, I don't like, think so. Okay. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> <You look laughs> Only like if an... they can see my face through this podcast. 
Um, all all promotional yeah. materials will just be a headshot. <laughs> um, yeah, we gotta we gotta post something about me. But uh, I was working every day and loved it. And then I became a foster mom, um, and I had to radically change my schedule. Yes, um, she was in preschool, and so I, you know, wanted to. My husband and I, we like, we really wanted to do everything together because it was just, you know, it's not the circumstances aren't um, normal. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot with being a foster parent, and you know, you have to deal with social workers, and then the the system that's really broken, and then the bio parents and you know any any small thing you have to document and there's um doctor's visits and i mean that seems normal but there's only like very specific doctors and clinics that you can go to because she's in the system right and so it just became like a full-time thing but i cut my hours down where i worked nine to five and then i didn't work weekends so that i can spend as much time with her as possible um and i still i she's no longer with us um She's with her grandmother now, but I I kept that schedule going after she left. Well, and see, I, I think you might have like put some geographical influence on that. Yeah, but I do think the age thing is part of it too, and yeah. having a kid because yeah. I used to just work all, all day and night. Okay, like Which, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really have any barometer yeah. of what yeah. I, I was just like. Well, I'll be in a studio all the time. I right. love doing this. Yeah. Why would I not? Yeah. And then, like as you get older, you realize, oh, it's sometimes it's good in life to have a little bit of like a little other things going right, on. So right. you're not just a pod in your right. studio all the time. Yeah, and, and it's good to step away from the work. Of and course, then, you yeah. Know, see it with fresh uh, eyes. I would imagine you would also, after a couple of decades, be completely exhausted. Yeah. You know, I had some former professors who would say, in in the days of when I'm like, you know, first starting a show, just, mm-hmm. the, you know, don't burn yourself out. Don't, okay. Don't like work yourself into not wanting to work anymore, basically. Okay. So I think like as and kids are great for that because they right they, they force you to they force you to, to <laughs> yeah. you know not be the center of your universe yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. So I mean they become the center of your universe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. don't you're not like oh all I want to do is work 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 work. Right. I mean you do want to work but yeah. you have other parts of your life. Right. So it sounds like that's kind of what was happening with yeah. your scheduling and yeah. but it puts you in a good headspace and I became more productive. Yeah. Makes you hyper focus. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like now I'm going to the studio. I'm going to get work done. I'm yeah. not going to dilly dally all day because yeah. I have all day and night to do this. Okay. Oh, you use dilly dally too. I <laughs> oh, <is laughs> all that, the time. Is that an old person thing? It is, but I use it all the time too. Yeah, sometimes it's like one of those things I say in front of my students, and they're like, "What the? (laughs) How old are you?" That guy's a real crackerjack painter, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I don't even know where I got that. It's not something that I grew up hearing. But dilly dally, it's great. Yeah, I I don't know, but anyway. um, Yeah, so we don't dilly dally as much anymore. Yeah, at all. I'm I I'm so productive with my time. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, it's just it's good, and I you know she's not with us, but just time with my husband and our dogs and it's been a really good shift and I was never a morning person my foster daughter made me a morning person where no you choice. have to get up she was just like no choice yeah crack it on she's up so you're up and making breakfast and like she I envied other people where some people have kids and they ease into their morning or or the opposite where the kid won't wake up and you are frantically feeding your kid breakfast and rushing out the door. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with yeah. that situation. <laughs> that sounded awesome to me because yeah. we would get up so early that we could like 
break, full breakfast, like pancake breakfast. There was like time to make scratch, like from scratch pancake, because it was just we're like, how do I spend the next three hours before I yeah, drop her off? Did it this morning. Oh, okay. Chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah, um, puzzles, games, books. And Maybe then, even a nap. Yeah, like it's. It could be like a relaxing time before getting to school. Yeah, and then you're you're kind of exhausted by the time they're. Oh yeah, you drop like two them off. two hits today, and I'm yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but it, yeah, and now I like I said I you know five like the first day that I got here I woke up at five a.m. because I was like mm, okay my body just has adjusted. Yeah. I mean I go to sleep early. I eat dinner extremely early. So, but I think it's been good for my health. I feel more energized. Yeah. And, I think it's yeah. like kind of the way we're supposed to be. Yeah. Like you wake, wake up, up with the light and go to sleep when the sun sets. And, right. Um, or even in spring and summer months, go to sleep before the sun sets. <laughs> no, it's alarming when uh, we eat dinner and then actually get into bed. Yeah. I won't even share because it's so embarrassing, but when when our friends want to go out to dinner, we're like, eight o'clock? Are you I know. Me? Like, <laughs> that's... I'm like in my pajamas by then. Like, what are you saying? You know, sometimes yeah. my wife and I will go out to eat and it's like 5.30 or something. And oh, yeah. It's like we, the senior circuit time period. And yeah. we're like, what? Is this too early? But you could eat anywhere because it's so <laughs> early that no you don't there. have to make reservations. Well, especially in Brooklyn, in this yeah. area. Yeah. You yeah. know, no one goes out before right. like 8 o'clock. But it's good for your body. Good for your digestion and everything. Definitely. Yeah. There's two things that I want to make sure we touch base mm-hmm. One is if people are, who are going to listen to this are going to be really interested, and we touched on it, mm-hmm. but your process. And yeah. like, I don't know, is there anything else you could talk about with your process and how you go so, about it or how yeah. you feel about it in relation to you know, other two-dimensional or three-dimensional work? Um, you know, I used to just say oh, it's a form of painting, it's a form of painting, but the but material is three-dimensional. and. Yeah. There's so much texture, and um, when I was talking to Jennifer um, Carvello, the, gal- the gallerist that I'm working currently working with, show up now. I'm sorry. The show's up now. Oh, the show's up now. So everyone, please go see it. Waterbury um, Street in yeah. East Williamsburg, and it, I think it closes March 17th. Yeah. So she was looking, and she was like, "Some of the the layers seemed more the woven layers seemed pushed out." Mm-hmm. Um. And she was like, how, do you, how does that happen? I'm like, well, the fibers are more dense there. So um, sort of the the brush, like the little frilly mohair that's on the back of it is pushing, just naturally pushing the work forward. Yeah. Um, things like that where you almost forget that it's not it's not paint. It's, it's an actual, like a three-dimensional form that you're weaving. And weaving means very intentional. You don't accidentally weave something. You, it's really planned in advance. I mean, some things while I'm working on will shift. Some of the organic edges will change, but um, I sketch everything prior to even starting. And With color too? Do you use like color pencil or watercolor? No, or? I, I just do it um, with a pen and then the color, I you know, I have to see the yarn in front of me. So once I have the basic sketch, then I'll go to my um, closet and pull out a bunch of different uh, yarn and see what makes the most sense for that composition. Do um, you dye your own yarn or do you get it? No, I have a dye house that I work with in L.A. sometimes. So I have to order it in huge quantities um, to make sure that the color can be consistent and then when that runs out and I, you know, get the same, let's say, like, teal color, then it doesn't, it's not quite the same. Sometimes I'll put a rinse on it just to, 
you know, brighten it or lessen it, things like that. But I'm not trying to add more process to my already yeah, yeah. <laughs> laborious process. Yes. Yeah. Um, people are like, do you spin your own yarn? I'm like, no, man. <laughs> like, you're gonna ask me if I'm like sharing my own sheep like next, and that's not right. that's not happening. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't have a fiber background. I didn't. That was not even something that I think was ever even spoken about at Cooper. Uh, so sometimes I'll meet, like at the opening, I met some RISD kids uh, that are currently in RISD or just had graduated or you know, that went to Cranbrook. And yeah. they want to nerd out with me about looms and techniques. I was like, I don't have a single clue what you're talking about. That is not something I pay <laughs> don't, attention to. Like, don't even, no. Yeah. I um, like, that's great. And I just, you know, I weave in the most basic way. I don't do any sort of pattern work. Um, it's just so simple. And I love the process and it's such a fit for me. Like this was a, what I think I was looking for. And I've done, I've translated, I've translated the the fibers into metal and glass and things like that, which I'll continue to do mm-hmm. and expand. And I don't want to only limit myself to um, weaving. But for now, it's just, you know, it's limitless. I feel like there's just so many more avenues to explore just with you know just on the loom itself yeah. yeah don't you love kind of having your own process with a given yeah. way of working that's yeah. just your intuitive yeah. thing like yeah. i do that with anime i make animations and okay. i do it the way i taught myself how yeah. to do it i know the program can do all this stuff yeah that i just don't do yeah so when i when people talk to me about animation and yeah. they'll go into certain oh, okay. things i'm like yeah i just don't do that, that i just do yeah. it i've like taught myself the way i want it to work right. and that's yeah. it I I thrive on that, and um, you know, it was like photography. It gets too technical, then mm-hmm. I just zone out. Um, I yeah, the way I weave, it's very basic, and then I think I don't know. I I guess other fiber artists can see it and think technically it's maybe lacking. I'm not sure. I don't. I haven't had those specific conversations. Well, I'm sure there's but, traditional painters who feel that way about me, <laughs> but. Um, no, I, I, and I like that aspect too, where I didn't, I, I didn't immerse myself in a fiber arts program, so I felt like my approach was different. Uh, now, and I, I had to build a solid foundation of my own approach, mm-hmm. and now I'm ready to have a more research component added to my process and um, to learn different techniques, maybe even, but. It's punk. You taught yeah. yourself the way, you know, it's like picking up a guitar and just playing the power chords or something. Like yeah. you're playing it the way you want to play. It's not right. like this technical, right. super, you know, kind of like rigid yeah. proficiency yeah. in the medium sort of thing. You know, it's just right. like you picked it up and you found the way that you wanted to make images with right. it. And it's working. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't always have to be. I, I feel like sometimes when you get into materials like that, there's yeah. an expectation or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe in painting. Right. It's less so. They're like, well, yeah. you could do whatever, you know. Right. You just put a big splotch in the middle right. of the canvas right. and there you go. So you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that sometimes people have those expectations upon yeah. like something like weaving where, yeah. you know, some of the most exciting things I think are when you stretch it outside of that conventional right. approach right. to it. Which I your work so. just has that feel to it. And I don't really know anything about weaving, but it feels that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't either. So we're about <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been great. I and, you know, it's I I I think I truly found something that yeah, it's the, the whole thing makes me happy. Um, that must feel good. Yeah, I think I It's your thing finally. Yeah, and even 
couple of years ago, I was having a conversation with someone that had a very similar childhood as mine. And we were just, I think we were at some sort of party and we're just two of us sitting in the corner talking. And I said, um, I don't know who brought it up, but I, I looked back and I said, oh, every crappy thing that happened to me. And again, that's a, another show for, you know, it's, it's a soap opera. It's my life was insane. But if it didn't lead me to this point, then I don't, I mean, I, so I guess what I'm saying is I would go through it again. It would be painful. I wouldn't volunteer to do it, but it would, if it, if it got me here again, if I had to do it all over, it was worth it. Like, yeah. Just because I'm like truly where I want to be, and yeah, it's it just felt it it finally all just clicked and fell into place. I mean, there's other places I want to go, but yeah, it took a long time to get here. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, the friend that I was talking to, she was like, "No, never. I I would give everything I have up now just to have have had like a normal. I mean, no one has a normal childhood, but something a little bit more stable." Yeah. But then the, sometimes I see kids of like super stable households and yeah. they have all this anxiety that things uh, won't yes. be perfect or won't right. be yeah. to where they don't have to worry about stuff. Right. So you're right. like damned if you do, damned if you don't, basically. That's true. We're all like Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I I'm, that, and I'm very optimistic, but yeah. that sounded very pessimistic. But I think it's just, yeah. you're going to always see yeah. both sides of it or there's two sides to every yeah. coin you know what i mean but the those kids that i think it's the parents i mean it's so important what your parents instill in you just i know no pressure have, right <laughs> <laughs> no i felt that when i had um my foster daughter where ever she would pick up every little thing i said mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it was oh, i couldn't relax right and i was constantly felt like i had to make things into a lesson and even when you're like oh i got through the day the the hardest word the um you know thanksgiving weekend you're like how many days are you off <laughs> like, oh my god yeah and then yeah. everything's closed so you run out of ways to entertain your kid and i mean this was all new to me i kind of i didn't grow up with an infant and she was three and she got they called us within three hours she was at our house yeah um and so it was just, just everything was so quick and so um learning how to play with your kid is is really exhausting (laughs) i'm bad at pretend play and holy crap it's really endless and they say like you know don't play with your kids um just like don't half-ass it for a long period of time if you if you're gonna play just play like hardcore 10 minutes right and make it really fun and that'll benefit them more than just like what is it oh yeah why don't you come here and do it you know like (laughs) yeah can you move away yeah. from the TV while we play <laughs> yeah, our <yeah>. card game? <laughs> you try to make things like a, a game that's clearly not any fun for them. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah, the thing of constantly having to entertain, but to improve and to have her learn. Yeah. It's like <gasps> shaping a human being. Oh my gosh. It was. Yeah, it's not easy. Oh, and so they don't much. give you a handbook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's almost like you have to be content to it. To just surprise and then you're like well i guess i just <laughs> i'm a parent now and i just do it all right yeah yeah it's but it makes you i think it makes you a better person or it can yeah yeah i mean we're we're not as selfish at least for me oh yeah i mean become, we totally went back to our selfish ways um after she oh, left i mean there was a, a hole and so much just recovery time was was rough but 
Yeah, I mean, we'll go out to do things and be like, oh, imagine if we we had another fostering like we would not be able to do it oh yeah you could go see a movie yeah or this trip was um i remember i had to go to london the first month that i had her and um that was a huge deal where i had just got into her life and then i was gonna go and the whole explaining like what is the world where is london why are you in a different time zone what is what is the plane like how do you fly somewhere and and then having her understand, like, no, I, I'll be back. Like, it's going to be different. Like, you'll see me again. Yeah, yeah. This isn't um, goodbye forever. Yeah. But the ang- amount of anxiety when I was there and the stress on my husband and all of, like, everything he had to pick up to because I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just made the trip, like, really rough. But you're probably so used to it and you do it on a weekly basis. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. We have fun. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I saw my friend's kid the other day, and he was playing by himself, and we were all eating brunch, and we had full conversations, and I just couldn't. He's two. And I was like, how does this happen? Like, what? <laughs> right. What I magic? I forgot he was here. <laughs> what, what magic happened that enabled yeah, this? He's just playing with his trains, and um, yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, he's clearly just so loved and supported and um yeah has great parents so yeah it's sensibility too there's great parents who are little have hyperactive kids and yeah. you just can't help it you know? yeah it is yeah that's it is. that's true you never know yeah what about well one other thing i wanted to ask you about was music mm-hmm. we often talk about music was it big in your life growing up or? no it was complete opposite <laughs> so i grew up no with music. a single mother uh-huh um, no music in the house? No, complete silence. What about your sister, though? She became... Oh, yeah, she did play the violin and the piano, so that was the only thing. And if she were to listen to music on her own, which she did, it was it had to be headphones. So uh, there was music. She would practice all the time, and yeah. I would hear that, um, classical music. and But any sort of anything, even with pop culture, was um, it was too much noise for my mom. I think yeah. she was just maxed out, and even... You know, you, I see kids playing and they're just um, screaming while they're playing. It's just natural. Right. <laughs> Things right. like that. I just never did that. And yeah. my mom would always say, that's crazy. Yeah, quiet. There's no need for that kind of noise here. And so I grew up in a very, very quiet, silent home. Uh, His cultural sensibilities, too, I think, because... You know, I spend a lot of time in Japan. Our mm-hmm. family does, and oh, the yeah. kids there—the indoor not, voice, yeah, yeah. They they're not quite as rambunctious and loud generally as At all. like it's over here. There's stuff the kids do in restaurants yeah. that, like, oh, my if goodness. you were over there, the oh, kid be, just wouldn't happen. You've shamed your whole family exactly. if you behave that way. Yeah. Um, I know. When I go to Japan with my, I went with my husband. And I'd be like indoor voice, only indoor voice the whole time. Right. Um, <laughs> And he's not a loud person at all. It's all um, relative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, music wasn't. And what about now? Do you listen in your studio or? Are you so a my knowledge of you... music is so limited, and it. But Staten Island, weren't you listening to Wu Tang when you were like a kid? <laughs> no, like pop culture really wasn't. I don't know what's going on. A lot of my childhood is going to school, and people would talk about TV shows like Friends or. Um, I guess I, that's the only thing I could think of. like Or New Kids on the Block when I came. I didn't know what that was for the longest time. And then when I knew, I just was pretending to be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Or, I love them. Yeah. Oh, Monica and, and um, what's her name? <laughs> See, I don't even Rachel. Know. Rachel. 
like you know the, in lunch like they would be like well, who would you be and I'm like oh I don't know but one of those kids <laughs> like yeah and just pretending you knew like last night's episode was about because mm. I wasn't allowed to watch TV I didn't listen to any um, pop music like it just wasn't no, but now I'm starting to you know my husband's made me like a few playlists and oh, this is gonna make me sound so old but Alexa is we just got Alexa mm-hmm. and probably recording everything we say all the time but I, because he's already listened to so many things that I'll just be like, play music. And so it's just, just whatever play music. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so sad. That so makes open-ended. my, yeah. Play like, okay. sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll just play whatever, you know, he's been listening to. And I was like, oh, okay. But usually I like to work in silence because I think it's now so part of my being. Um, and once in a while, I'll play like, uh, you know, one of my, like, I like Cheers. Like, that's my go-to show in The Office. And Oh, like you'll play that? And just yeah, in the background. Yeah. I won't be able to watch it, but, you know, it'll be running. Like, right. I can envision all of the scenes. So and you feel like that. something's happening. Like Yeah, there's, yeah. There's but something. that's not that often. I mean, it's usually when, I, when I'm weaving, there's really no noise. When I'm warping, then I'll play music because it's very physical. Uh, the bigger the pieces, the more physical it is because you're really like stretching your whole body every single time. Um, but when I'm just weaving, uh, sometimes on the floor for, you know, I'll, I'll weave for a whole day and move up like two inches and I'm just dragging my butt from left to right all day long. That's when I want it to be silent so I can just sort of be alone with my own thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who needs a gym? Oh, yeah, the gym. I feel like it's not. I lie to my general doctor and say, but my work is very physical because I don't work out at all. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm not really getting a workout. Are you stretching? You're moving. Yeah, but not Not so much. And you're like fitness trackers, like, yeah, no, you're not really working out. (laughs) Um, The only way, like my back muscles that like no one sees are the only like they're there like there's muscle there right um everything else is like pretty loose like there's not (laughs) there's not much happening there um yeah you would think like my arms would be just jacked just like shredded but no or more like i was thinking more like a yoga pilates to where you're like doing like stretching movements so you feel like limber and not like stiff like if you were sitting in front of a canvas and you're like Mm -hmm. you know for hours like your your posture yeah. is probably better than well yeah I don't there's know. Like, there's like almost days in a row where I have to stand like very like I have to sit ninety in order to like reach certain places yeah. so you're right and now I'm, we're both probably really conscious about our postures oh I'm gonna like be shrimped hunched over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you told me to be so close to the mic and I haven't been doing that that's the time. best you've sounded the entire podcast I'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay I think I was trying to look at your face so I just was oh like I hide this, behind these things. You should have told me. Oh, no. No, you sound great. Okay. It's very quiet in here, so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So tell our listeners about your, well, the show is up now. Yes. Which is? History Lessons. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a two-person show with uh, Delphine Henley and myself. And Delphine's work is, is informed by tapestry. So it's a really interesting combination of work. Um, And it's the first... Um, well, actually, that's not true. There's a couple of some pieces I've had for a while, but there's three that are new that haven't been seen before. Um, and then, yeah, it's I'm very pleased with 
the outcome of the show and just the way the flow of the show and the sequencing is couldn't have been better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you said it's up till the March, se- March 17th. 17th. Yeah. Nice. And then how else can people see your work? You have a website. I do. You're active on social media. I am. So my website's just my name, mimijung.com. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram is by Mimi Jung. I can't get in touch with the original Mimi Jung. She won't write me back to be like, can I just like buy the, this. yeah. And she doesn't even post. So if you're listening, please write me back so I can, I can. <laughs> just give it up, Mimi. Yeah. You're, you're not, not even using it, man. Just, you're not using yeah. your Mimi. Yeah. No way. But it's by Mimi Jung. And sometimes people think by is part of my name. So they're like, how do you pronounce it? I'm like, Mimi? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming over. I look forward to seeing the show. No, thank you. So I feel like it was just two friends chatting. And yeah. That's the it's idea. awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, yeah. it's nice to meet you. No, so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com or at soundandvisionpodcast on Instagram. You can also check out more about my work at paintchanger.com or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Lolotone for the intro-outro music, Michael Lovett for the introduction, and for all the artists who spend time to talk with me. Uh, Make sure you see Mimi's show up at Carvalho Park Gallery in East Williamsburg slash Bushwick. And um, thanks for listening.